Welcome to Sharing the Word. I'm your host, Dr. Driver. Looking at Romans 8, verses 9 through 25. So in Romans 8, starting in 9, verse 9, let me read the verses to you. Romans 8, starting in verse 9. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of God living in them do not belong to him at all. And verse 10, And Christ lives within you, so even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. Now Paul is bringing into the picture. He's bringing in focus the constant spiritual fleshly war that rages on within our soul. Our flesh and our spirit are constantly in battle. And in this entire passage, including the whole chapter of eight, we find that our flesh constantly wants to do the things that are sinful or contrary to the word of God. But when we become children of God, we have the ability to say no to the flesh. We have the ability to to submit to God, resist the devil so he could flee so that we can live holy and sanctified as Christ has given us that power through his resurrection. So since Christ is our righteousness, his resurrection power that is within us, the Holy Ghost that is in us, gives us the ability to say no to the flesh and yes to God. So Paul is reading or saying here in Romans 8 verse 9, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. Now the sinful nature is, is, is due to the sin in the garden of Adam and Eve. So the first Adam, that was life, became death because of sin. The second Adam, Jesus Christ, who conquered death, who conquered the sinful nature by being obedient unto God and was raised to new life, raised to life in heaven, resurrected, he's raised, he conquered the sin nature. And because of his atoning work on the cross and the shed blood that cleanses us from sin, we are made new in him and become creatures, new creatures in Christ. We become adopted children. We become heirs and co-heirs to the kingdom of God. Therefore, this mortal flesh, this this trap, this, this prison called sin nature is now no longer my master. What's amazing is that the power of Christ's resurrection and his obedience unto death has given us victory over sin. Paul says this. He says, you are not controlled by the sinful nature. If in Christ, if in fact, so let me read that to you. Paul says, you are not, or if you're not, but you are not, Controlled by your sinful nature. You're not. 
Because if you're in Christ, he says, the spirit that is in you, the spirit of the living God that is in you, if you are in Christ, the sinful nature has no power over you. So to make excuses why you constantly sin, to justify every action that you do is because that's just who you are or how you were raised or because that's what you um, believe is the way to do things that are pleasing to you. If you're saying that's just the way it is, but it's contrary to the Spirit of God, then the question is, is the Spirit of God living in you? Because the Word is saying it loudly for us. He says, let me read 8 and 9 again, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. And Christ lives within you, so even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. Verse 11, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. So Paul is giving us a reality check. He is telling us that, yes, you're still in the flesh. Yes, the flesh uh, causes us to say and think and do things that are contrary to the word of God. We all see this. Just reading just the whole book of Romans will give you some insight on what I'm saying here. But Paul's saying in this passage here that you are not controlled by your sin nature anymore because Christ is in you. The Holy Ghost is in you. If you have already accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you are filled with the Holy Spirit, listen to me, you are filled with the Holy Spirit and you live a life that pleases the Lord, then you will have victory over the flesh, over the sin nature. Because the more you live to please God through obedience, because the Holy Spirit that is in you, the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin, righteousness, and judgment. So because that's what the Holy Spirit does for us, he's our counselor, our teacher, we cannot, A, blame the flesh all the time for us sinning against God. And B, you can't be ignorant to the things of the flesh because the flesh was crucified on the cross with Jesus and we have the victory in Jesus because of his righteousness through the Holy Ghost. So to make excuses why we don't please God because our sin nature is what takes control, then the question still be <laughs> has to be asked, are you really in Christ? Because if you are in Christ, you will not submit to the lust of the flesh or the desires thereof. Paul is really powerful in this passage because he said the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give you life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living within you. He's telling us in verse 11 of Romans 8, he's saying the power that raised Christ from the dead is in you. The power that raised Christ from the dead is in you. So if that power of raising Christ from the dead is in you, then you have the power to say no to the flesh. 
I know that sounds like, what? It is true, the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. You have victory and power over the mortal body or the flesh. He goes on in verse 12. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power, everybody say the power with me, the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. So the same power, God, the Holy Ghost, is in you. The same power that can raise people to life, like Jesus was raised and the tomb was open and Jesus came out of the tomb and he descended into hell and took the keys from Satan and then he rose and and then he ascended into heaven. My friends, that is power of God. The Christ power resurrected in you. I always call this CPR. Uh, In healthcare, I practice CPR, first aid instructor, CPR instructor, cardiopulmonary resuscitation. My friends, CPR is Christ's power resurrected in you. That power that raised Christ from the dead, that's power, my friends. That is power, power beyond man, power beyond our comprehension. It is the same power that raised Christ from the dead, lives in you. You do not have to live by the dictates of the sinful nature. If you believe that Christ is in you, the Holy Spirit is in you. So Paul is telling us we will not live by the dictates of this life because if we live by the our mind says is fleshly, we're going to die. If we live by the spirit that lives within us, we will live and have eternal life. So the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. You will live. And those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. If you're led by the flesh, you're not a child of God. Listen to me. If you're being led by the dictates of the sinful mind and of the flesh, you are not a child of the King. You are not a child of God. The Bible tells us that. Paul goes on and he says, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, You have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. That's 12. 13. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all, verse 14, who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Let me read that to you again. Verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. I have met so many Christians tell me that, yeah, I'm in this cycle. Uh, I just keep saying and doing the things that are playing in my head. But I love the Lord. <laughs> you know. Well, then where's your power? If you keep listening to the things of the sin nature instead of the things of God, then you're literally led by the flesh. And you have what Paul talks about, a cardinal mind, which leads to death. If you're led by the Spirit, listen to me, you're led by the Spirit of God, you will live and you will have victory over the flesh. Those who are constantly led by a sinful cardinal mind 
will do things in the flesh that are sinful against the word of God. Those who are led by the spirit of God and have a spiritual mind will please the Lord and will be called children of God. So you have to make that distinction and make, again, that choice. Are you a child of the king, the Lord Jesus? Are you a child of the kingdom of heaven? If you are, then accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Confess your sins. He will forgive you and he will purify you from all unrighteousness. If you have been given that gift, the Holy Ghost has come into your heart. Jesus is your Lord and Savior. You have that gift. If you believe Jesus Christ is Lord and you accepted him, accepted him as your Savior, then you have victory, my friends, over the flesh. Live that life that pleases God through the Spirit of God. Don't listen to the flesh. The flesh lies to you. The flesh betrays you. The flesh tries to convince you that what you're thinking is okay because then it gives you this false hope that you're safe. You're not safe listening to your flesh. You are safe if you listen to God. Verse 14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Verse 15, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. What I have seen and what I have experienced with many people who call themselves believers, they always seem to come up with an excuse of why they continue to do what they do that's against the word of God. Then they throw in, well, I'm afraid that blank, blank won't love me. I'm afraid this is going to happen. I'm afraid of that's going to happen. Well, my friends, if you don't understand that God does not operate with people, he does not work with people who constantly live in fear because he does not give us the spirit of fear, but a spirit of love and a sound mind. That's 2 Timothy. So you can't keep saying, well, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. Well, God is love and his love cast out fear. So if Christ is in you, God's love is in you, then there's no room to come out of your mouth, I'm afraid. Perfect love cast out fear. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love and a sound mind. So because people keep making excuses on why they sin and they say they're afraid, then they are a slave to that sin. But if you're a slave to a sin, like bad thinking, bad addictions, then you have to say to yourself, then where's my walk with God if I'm constantly in bondage over this thing called addiction or this bad thinking that leads me to do the following if I'm constantly living in fear because I don't believe I have victory because of this problem. If you have fear, You'll never have victory over the problems in your cardinal mind. You'll never have victory of the flesh if you constantly speak and act in fear. So as Paul says in verse 15, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. When Christ comes into your life, into your heart, the Holy Spirit fills you. You don't talk fear talk. And excuses for the flesh. The only fear you have is a reverent fear towards God. Because the 
fear of God brings you wisdom. The fear of God brings you the attitude of being holy for he's holy because you know he's all-powerful God. He's almighty God. But he did not give you fear to obey the laws of the flesh. He's given you the victory through Christ Jesus' death on the cross. So when Paul is telling you, instead you receive God's spirit when he adopted you as your children. Now we call him Abba Father because we know that whatever we go through in life, he's our daddy God, he's our Abba Father, he's going to provide for us, protect us. He's going to be there to defend you. So you can't make excuses to the things of this world. So verse 15 and 16, let me read this to you. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. I call him Daddy God. I call him Papa, Daddy. He is my God. I am his son. I am heir and co-heir to the kingdom of God. That's how I know his name. He knows me. I know him. Because of that, I will cry out, Abba, Father, I need you. Verse 16, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are children of God. So if you think about your life as a parent, if you are a parent, and you have children, and your child is hurt, or your child does foolish things, and you catch them in the act of doing something wrong, a good Abba father corrects, disciplines, and shows that they love them by giving them the tools or the education not to do those things that are harmful to them. Now, as a parent myself, I understood that even as a young dad. I'm not going to let my kids do things that are harmful, even in their ignorance, even though they, wa- they want to do things that look fun to them because it's pleasing the flesh, but their very act of what they're doing could cause them harm or death. As Abba Father in heaven, he looks at what we do in the flesh and the Spirit of God convicts us and says, don't do that. Now we have a choice to listen to God and obey. Or because we are his children, he's going to chastise those he loves. So because I know I am a child of God, I know that I am a child of God, The gift of the Holy Spirit in my heart and my soul bears witness to that. So I did not receive a spirit of fear, according to verse 15. Instead, I received God's spirit as an adopted child of God. And that's why I can call out to him in my prayer times, Abba Father. For his spirit joins with my soul, my spirit in me, that then testifies and confirms that I am a child of God. And verse 17 says, And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. So my friends, Jesus lived obediently to the Father in heaven. He had a mission to come to earth, save man from his sins, fulfill the law, and take that separation that was keeping us from pleasing God, he, he reconciled that through his obedience to Calvary's cross. And then he rose from the dead. And because of his, his love and, and mission statement and his obedience unto death, we now can have a relationship with God in heaven as our Abba Father.
That's powerful. So if I'm going to share as an heir and a co-heir to the kingdom of God, knowing that God Almighty, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, I'm in the family, then I am going to follow the family rules and carry the name of my Father in heaven by being a child of light and a child of love because God is love. And since I have been adopted by accepting his son Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, being filled with the Holy Spirit, and I now have the gift of the Spirit of God in me, the power of God that's in me, that same power that raised Christ from the dead, then I can say to the flesh, no, and I have victory because of the power of God that is in me. We have no excuse. So verse 17 says of Romans 8, And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Well, just like Christ, Christ sits at the right hand of God. Christ is in heaven. We're heirs. We're co-heirs. We're children of God. Therefore, I am going to share into, into the inheritance that God has prepared for me. As Jesus says, I go and prepare a place for you. So I have my heavenly glory awaiting me. But in order for me to experience that, I have to live a life of obedience to serving him. And because I have to live in obedience to serving him by saying no to the flesh, then I, ask, I also have to share in his suffering. Because here's what it says in verse 17 again. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we also share his suffering. We're going to suffer for being a Christian. Those who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer trials and tribulation. Timothy talks about this a lot. The epistle of Timothy. We don't read the fine print. We just, we just say, okay, I'll accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior because that's my ticket to heaven. Well, that's part of it. Yes, you can go to heaven. So if I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, because Romans tells me that, Romans 10.9 says that. 10.13 says that. I get that. John 3.16 says that. Uh, I get that. Okay, so now what? Okay, I accepted him as Lord and Savior. Well, then if he's your Lord, then you have to do what he says. He already saved you because he died on the cross. So being Lord and Savior means you're going to be Christ-like. You're going to do the very things that he did. He was obedient to the Father in heaven, and he lived a life to bring man to God reconciled all that together, and Jesus died by obedience to death. But he suffered for it. And because he suffered for it, we're going to suffer for it. And even Paul talks about in his writings, I count it worthy to, to be under the suffering that Christ suffered. Yes. But somehow we're allergic to pain. But to be a Christian means that you're going to suffer for the name of Christ by those who hate you because you're a Christian, because the flesh is warring against you, you're suffering. Because you really want to do the things that the flesh really enjoys. But in order to do the things of God, you've got to say no to the flesh. That's suffering. 
But there's peace. There's life. There's eternal life by living to please the Lord in everything we do according to the word of God. Verse 18. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Now let me just pause for a moment. Let let me pause by saying this. Here's what I want to cover. We're going to share in the glory of God when he appears in the clouds of glory. And he says that he's coming for his church. So we could be raptured, translated. We could be caught up in the air, meet him in the air. The saints that have already passed, that are already with him, are coming back with the Lord, with his angels. And we who are alive will see and be changed in the twinkling of an eye. Thessalonians is powerful. Read that. My friends, we're going to share in his glory, but we're also going to share in suffering. Glory and suffering. We're going to share in his glory. But what's awaiting us in that glory is beyond my imagination or beyond anything that we can comprehend. So I'd rather suffer for his name's sake, for the glory that's awaiting me is so much better that I just know that it's this is just a temporary holding place. So if I already know that the things that I go through in life are temporal, because what's awaiting me is his glory and being with him in eternity forever and ever. And there will be no more weeping, no more crying. The former things have passed away. That's what's waiting for us. Therefore, I'm going to live my life to please him because he's in me. Because what's awaiting me is greater than the things that are temporal here on earth that please the flesh for a very small period of time. That is why living this life to please God is everything. My friends, don't let the flesh, don't let the flesh control you. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Verse 20 says in Romans 8, against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. Verse 20 of Romans 8, against its will, All creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. Verse 22, For we know that all creation has been groaning as the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believe also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us, has a foretaste of the future glory. For we long, we long for our, now he says our, bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. 
So as we close, Paul is telling us that yes, we have the Spirit of God in us. The power of God that raised Christ from the dead is in us. And we are not slaves to sin anymore because Christ is in us and therefore we have victory. And we are heirs and co-heirs to the kingdom of God. And because we are heirs, we no longer have to, A, take um, the flesh desires and submit to it. No, B, I'm going to follow the Spirit of God and follow those dictates because it pleases Him. So A can follow the flesh, B can follow the Spirit. And if I follow the Spirit that Christ is in me and tells me to live a life that pleases God, then as a children of God, the world's going to know that I'm a child because I do the things that God tells me to do. And because I do what Christ has done, I'm obedient. I'm going to share in his glory. I'm going to share in the glory of God. And then I'm also going to share in his sufferings. So therefore, I look forward to the day that Christ will return. I look forward to the day that I hear that trumpet call or the day that when I do pass from this earth by natural causes, that I'm already in his presence because for me to live as Christ and to die is to gain. So whenever I can say in my own soul and spirit that I am a child of God and therefore, no matter if I live now or die tomorrow, I am going to be in his presence, that's my glorious hope that no matter what happens today if I die from this if I just die today I'm going to be in God's presence to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord if that's my glorious hope and I know that then praise his holy name if I'm still living until the time the rapture occurs then I'm going to be changed in the twinkle of an eye that is the glorious hope to be in the presence of God forever and ever and amen That's our glorious hope. But to live in anticipation for that hope, you're going to suffer for his namesake. But he will see you through that suffering. Thanks for listening to Sharing the Word. Join me again as we discuss Bible topics that will help you live a victorious life through Jesus Christ. 